Awesome Podcast. Toot toot. The Big Howl and Possum Podcast presents Long Way Home, a potato's journey. Narrated by Big Howl Dottie. And a humble country possum. Somewhere nestled twixt the verdant foothills and mossy crotches of the northern Americas lies a potato farm. Not a special potato farm, but not an unspecial potato farm either. Not bigger than you'd think, but not so small that you'd miss it. And on this potato farm is a humble, hardworking potato farmer named Patsy and her deadbeat husband, Neil. Every day, Patsy heads out in the fields to nurture the potatoes by giving them fresh water and singing into their blooming flowers. And every day, Neil chides the woman from his lazy boy chair. Patsy, you fool, why are you wasting your time singing to them old tater plants? You could stay inside with me and watch the Harry Connick Jr. show. Patsy would respond by telling Neil, the potatoes love to be sung to. Makes them grow big and strong. To which Neil replied, who cares how big them taters get? They're just going to be mashed up into gruel or strained into some vodka. Why don't you stay inside and quit tending to your taters? But Patsy never listened to it. No, Patsy continued to sing songs to her taters. Songs of longing and yearning. See, Patsy had a lost love, a high school sweetheart named Davy, who decided to move to central Ohio to become a shock jock. And she'd never heard from him since. So she poured that sadness into her taters through the medium of music. And it so happened one year Patsy's voice brought shape and life into one particular potato, who grew into a slender but proud shape, lightly tapered from one end to the other, straining against the muddy soil of the earth until Patsy's fusion-powered robotic potato harvester ripped it from the warm womb of the earth. Well, that's certainly a distinctive shape, Tater, said Patsy as she lightly dusted the excess soil off the potato and threw it into a burlap sack. Not so weird as to be off-putting, but neither is it just a boring old potato shape. She packed the bag up and stacked it next to the barn to be shipped first thing in the morning. The next day, the potato found itself shaking and jostling down an old country road in the back of a shipping truck. An adjacent potato took some bruising in all the commotion, and in all the damp warmth of the midday air began to spoil, and spoil awfully. Over the course of the next few days, that potato took on an abysmal smell and desperately sprouted little arms to reach out and find comfort somewhere amongst the other potatoes. But there was no comfort to be given. And when that sack of taters was opened up by Joshua Heap, son of Don Heap, owner of Heap's Grocery and Market, Josh decided from the smell and the sprouts that the whole sack must have spoiled. Potatoes are rotten, he said. So he tossed that sack, fat to the brim with Patsy's longing and sorrow, right into the dumpster behind the grocery. All of it to be shipped off and buried once again, now in a landfill.
The potato sat amongst its nearest relatives in the smelly dumpster for close to an hour before the lid sprung open and a large man named Don Heap bellowed into it. There's that sack of taters. No good son of mine throwing away a whole sack of taters. And he grabbed the sack with both hands and carried it back into the produce department of his grocery store. The salvageable spuds were given a light rinse and placed in a wagon to be wheeled out into the store. The spoiled taters were peeled and had their gray, smelly parts removed before being diced up and added to the potato salad served at the salad bar. I hate serving our customers spoiled potatoes, said Sally the salad bar lady. But not as much as I hate living with my sister's husband, Robert Ben Simmons. The potato was wheeled out into the brightly lit store on the produce section potato wagon. Beep, beep, said the affable Eric Heap, third son of Don Heap, the owner. Beep, beep, potatoes coming through, potato wagon coming through. And Eric brought the pile of proud spuds out into the cool, misty air of the produce section. He began tossing the tates one after the other into the baskets on the shelves, being sure to arrange them in his signature pyramid, which cannot be selected from without sending the remaining potatoes spilling out onto the floor. Ah, dang it said Becky LaSaint, area mother pushing a tot in her cart as her tater selection sent the pile of brown spuds tumbling down to the floor. Every time. Here, let me help, said a voice from across the aisle. It was Brad's supper, her love from younger days. Now married to her former friend Dee Dee's supper, Brad assisted the overcome Becky with returning the taters to the shelf while Dee Dee glared from behind a stack of Fiji apples. Brad's supper caught our long and slender potato just before it hit the linoleum floor of Don Heap's grocery and market, and he placed it back in the basket while turning his face away from his wife, Dee Dee. Hey, Becky, things are going kind of rough with my main squeeze these days. What say you and I get together some night? Oh, thank you for your help, Brad, Becky said, and though she wished she could accept his offer, there were some codes you do not break. However much Dee Dee trash-talked Becky and put her down. The potato sat on the shelf for another hour or so before being noticed by a young man with a gaggle of friends. Their names were Dustin, Mark, Herbie, and Amud. Dustin picked up the uniquely shaped but not ugly potato and noticed its shape reminded him of a microphone. Hey, look at this, he said to his pals and began singing into the fatter end of the potato. Do you think I'm sexy? Do you think I'm sexy? He sang, remembering only one of the lines from the song. The shoppers in the produce section stopped and looked at Dustin as he sang into the potato. Ha! Began the laughs, uncertain at first. But soon the whole crowd was laughing. Ha ha ha! And inviting the shoppers in other sections to come see the boys singing into the potato. By now, Dustin had overturned a shopping basket and was dancing and singing atop it. Do you think I'm sexy? Do you think I'm sexy? The crowd of shoppers began clapping along, and several of them grabbed potatoes of their own to purchase, no doubt to recreate the experience at home. Dustin kicked his legs out and did one final line of the song before bowing to overwhelming applause. When the grocery crowd cleared... A man approached Dustin and his friends. Hi, he said. I'm Jimmy Kimmel of the show Jimmy Kimmel Live. 
and I'd like to bring you and your hilarious potato to Hollywood to perform on my show. Dustin gripped the potato tight in his hand and broke into a sweat. I have to ask my mom, he said, but I have a feeling she'll let me do it. Why is that? asked Kimmel. Because it's her favorite show. And so the potato was headed to Hollywood. You are listening to Long Way Home, A Potato's Journey. Chapter 3, Hollywood Nights. The potatoes spent much of the next three days on the dashboard of Mary Steepleton's 2003 Master Protégé, absorbing the sprawling colors and sounds of the wild American West. While on its way to Hollywood, California, where the potato and Mary's son Dustin were booked to perform on the Jimmy Kimmel program, Just 50 miles shy of the California border, one of the wheels fell off Mary's car and she spun out of control before coming to a stop just next to an enormous 500-foot drop-off. The potato nearly flew out of the window, but Dustin caught it last second. That sure was close, mumbled Mary Steepleton, looking down over the cliff. You can say that again, said Dustin, eyeing his prize tater. Before long, a roving band of scavengers and lowlifes pulled up near the boy and his mother and began setting up tents and tables for a picnic. Please, begged Mary Steepleton, do any of you have a wheel for a 2003 Mazda protege? The rough-looking crew eyed her and the boy warily, but soon an older fella from the group came over. Y'all looking for a wheel? Yes, sir. Y'all got money? The mention of money sank poor Mary's heart. They only had enough to get themselves fed and housed in Hollywood, California, and not a spare cent to cover a new wheel. She'd have to appeal to this man's sense of charity, if he had one. Sorry, we are broke and broke down, but surely you'd want someone to help you in your time of need? And the older bandit looked around and said, out here in the desert, we mine to our own first and foremost. But what's that in the boy's hand? A potato, Mary replied. Just a potato. Hmm, we don't get too many full-size potatoes out here. Looks good, the old bandit grunted. How about you toss that potato over to me and I'll get you a wheel? No deal, shouted Dustin. I need this tater. Well, then I hope you can ride it where you're going, shouted back the old bandit. Just then, a younger lady bandit whose name was Danica Sloan, ran up to the older bandit and hollered, Come quick, it's old Gord. Mary and Dustin followed out of curiosity and discovered a catatonic old man in a recliner in the back of a horse trailer. He won't respond at all, said Danica, to which the old bandit replied, He only snaps out of it if someone can make him laugh. Dustin heard that and hatched a plan. 
He turned over a bucket in front of Old Gord and brought the unique and slender potato up to his lips like a microphone. Do you think I'm sexy? Do you think I'm sexy? He crooned. And the crowd of bandits dropped their jaws and stared. Dustin kept going, a little louder this time, now gyrating his hips. Do you think I'm sexy? Suddenly a cough erupted from Old Gord, and a cloud of dust escaped his lips. Ha 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 he shouted and leapt to his feet. The whole party of bandits applauded and laughed at Dustin's performance, and he and Mary were given a new wheel and a membership in the Society of Bandits. The next day they arrived just in time to appear on the Jimmy Kimmel Show. The panicked PA rushed them through the lot and into the green room where Madonna and Jesse Plemons were seated and awaiting their segment. You're gonna do great, kid, said Jesse Plemons. And Madonna nodded in agreement. Finally, it was time to appear on Jimmy Kimmel Live. And Dustin heard his name and stepped out to incredible applause. This is it, he thought to himself. Your big break. Show him what you got. Dustin put the potato up to his lips and brought his face up into the stage lights. The shimmery glitter stage blazer his mother had sewn him dazzled and sparkled in the spotlights. Do you think I'm sexy? Do you think I'm sexy? But nothing. Do you think I'm sexy? He tried a little louder and added a little more gyration to his hips this time. Still nothing. The crowd watched him curiously. Do you? Do you think I'm sexy? Okay, interjected Kimmel. I think this was a mistake. This isn't actually that good. And Dustin's heart sank down into his lower guts. Darn this stupid old potato. I'm a laughing stock, he complained to his mom on the drive back. No, you aren't, said his mom in reply. If they'd laughed, it would have been good. Dustin told his mom to stop at her bridge, and he got out with the potato. Stupid old potato, he thought one more time, and thrust the potato into the icy, cold midnight waters of the rushing river below. Chapter 4, The Rushing River. The potato floated along the rushing river for hours, days, perhaps weeks, through the rolling countryside and past towering cities on its way to the land of forgotten potatoes. Had this oddly shaped spud ruined poor Dustin's life, would the potato have been better off rotting in the dumpster behind Heap's Grocery and Market? Who could say? But as various scenes from mainland America scrolled by, the crack of a baseball bat, the neighing of horses, the cacophony of a street fair, it sure seemed like the glory days of this potato were over. 
until early one morning on a secluded and private bank of the mighty river, the potato found itself touching firm land once more. And all around it were other forgotten potatoes, discarded misfits, with the scars and bruises of lives well lived. But these taters all looked, well, prepared. Some were cut into crinkle or waffle fries. Some were loaded with bacon and sour cream. Some were au gratin. Some scalloped, even twice baked. Where am I? said the potato, stunned by his sudden ability to talk. This is the island of misfit potatoes, said a large cup of steak fries to his left. An island? Just for discarded potatoes like me? he asked. It was too good to be true. Yes, they responded and took him on a tour of the potato kingdom. The camp featured bunk housing for all the taters and a large mess hall where a discarded potato could choose which meal preparation he would like to be. Fries or a latke, baked or a loaded tater skin, hash brown, etc., etc. Just north of the main camp was a large building with smoke coming from it and loud music blaring at all hours of the day. What's that for? asked the potato. That's the big party, he was told by a cluster of Noki, who pointed to the long line of misfit potatoes lined up and waiting to get into the building. It was a huge honor to be led into the big party. Before long, the potato was approached by someone from the mess hall and asked what type of potato preparation he'd like to be. Baked, the potato replied. Good choice, replied the chef, who was a wedge. The potato was outfitted with a large pad of butter and a long slit up his belly, as well as some salt and pepper to taste. After he was made into a fine-looking, if oddly-shaped, baked potato, he and the group he had been spending time with decided to wait in line for the big party. It sounded like a lot of fun. Hoots and hollers and loud music and everything. The line actually moved along quite quickly, and our dear potato soon found himself entering the building in a confusing haze of fog machine smoke and loud European trance music. His group was told to enter a waiting room, which was a tight metal box that kept getting hotter and hotter. Ah, my tie! said a loaded potato skin as his tie, which was made of cheddar, melted. But the heat felt pretty good and the potato just relaxed and sweated out its troubles and worries. And soon they were led into a large room with some thundering bass. But just as they were ready to cut a rug and shake a leg, the door slammed shut behind them, and they realized the voices were those of people. Hungry people. Chapter 5, Home. 
The potatoes were scooped up and served to the large salivating people at the table. The spuds, taken by surprise, began screaming and begging for mercy, but the humans could not hear them. Potato was grabbed with tongs and almost placed on the plate of someone at the end of the table, but that someone turned out to be a little boy, and an impatient one at that. The little boy reached out and grabbed the potato with both hands. Ooh-wee, he yelled, hot potato, and dropped the potato to the ground. He tried to stab the potato with a fork, but the potato was too fast, made a roll for it out the front door. Before long, he was safely out of the big party building and on his own once again. Or he thought he was on his own. As the potato paused to catch his breath, he heard a twig snap on the ground nearby. Halt, he hollered, and swung around to meet the sound. Don't hurt me, please. I'm a mistake, said a sweaty, charred hunk of meat who appeared in the moonlight. I suppose they was going to eat you too, asked the potato. Yeah, but I escaped when you made all that commotion. Thank you. Anytime, replied the potato. Let's get the heck out of here. The steak and potato rolled across the dirty forest ground for days until they found a little clearing perfect for building a modest cabin. Steak got to work chopping down logs to build it while potato gathered mud for the foundation and thatch for the roof. Soon they had a nice homestead with a roaring fire and before long they couldn't imagine life without one another. I'm glad I found you, said Steak each night before they drifted off to sleep in their greasy straw bed. And I, you, would reply the potato, who had now found his home. The years that followed were peaceful and uneventful, but nevertheless took their toll on steak and potato, who grew shriveled and gray and lost moisture in areas they'd once had it, and gained it in areas that were once crisp. Some days they could hardly do more than get out of bed and roll around a little on the floor, and they could tell their time was coming to an end. One cold autumn night as Steak and Potato lay in bed, Potato shivered and looked up at Steak. Can you move us closer to the fire? he asked. And Steak nodded and moved the bed closer to the fire. Can you move us a little closer still, Mr. Steak? It is so cold. And Steak moved them even closer. I think we could be closer still yet. And Steak moved the bed almost into the fire. Still so cold, Potato muttered. Steak moved the bed over until it was completely on top of the fire and climbed back into bed. Potato looked up at Steak and said, Thank you for being such a good friend and partner. I couldn't ask for a better life. Steak nodded his head and said, Neither could I, Potato and they both drifted off into a longer, more peaceful sleep, together. And some people say to this day that in that cabin, you can still smell that steak and taters cooking on that long final night. Some other people say they just gotta air it out and maybe wash the curtains or something and get that stank out.
Awesome Podcast. Toot toot.